Hi, this is Emiliano Tade. I play for Oakland City and I always listen to Hand of Paul. you've just heard of course is Emiliano Tade we've got an interview with him later on um, sorry if, if on Twitter you were expecting Lionel Messi he did want to be on but his English wasn't good enough so uh, we had to say no for now he's going to take a few classes and get back to us in six months time I'm Sam Kelly um, I'm joined for the last time at least this season if not this year by Australian Dan hello um, English Dan who will be here for the rest of the year good evening and Seba, who also will be. Hola, And welcome to Hand of Pod. Uh, the really big news, I suppose, for the week just gone, we'll be getting to Tade's interview, uh, or Emiliano's interview, as I think we can now call him. He's a friend of all of us. Oh, uh, Sabata. Yeah. That's his nickname. Quite right, yeah. Um, and he's got some fans. <laughs> he, seemed, yeah, he's just, he seems to have... Um, he's got a bit of a We'll be getting to his interview later on, but the main news from the weekend just gone in the Argentine League is that Boca Juniors uh, have not quite won the title, but pretty much won the title. They're nine points clear, there are nine points to play for, and the next match is against Banfield. That's all yeah. we have to say. We right? need one point for the next three matches. So. Yeah. Really, and really. They can lose all three, and if Tigre then win all three, yeah. which is... Yeah. Mm. More, more than likely. I think that's pretty impressive actually that Tigre they won the second I remember we were pretty much all writing them off at the start of the season and they've absolutely come storming into yeah I mean, they're still in the automatic relegation places just about only just yeah, yeah well. and, and they did it strapalusilously yeah strapalusilously yeah <laughs> we'll talk about Tigre a little later but for now uh, to start off with we're going to just quickly discuss uh, Bocca's match on uh, Sunday wasn't it before I go any further, I just apologise if, if any of the noise does pick up from the overhead fan that we've got going. The heat has very much arrived in Buenos Aires now. Um, we're all sitting here sweating our tits off. I've got my shirt unbuttoned to my belly button. Um, and we've don't got to stay cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not that kind no. of podcast. Well, yeah. Don't describe my, my state. No, don't worry, Seb, we won't mention the fact that you've taken your trousers off. To <laughs> um, Cheers. No problem. Yeah, but anyway, Bocca's... Uh, Dismantling, really. I thought of Godoy Cruz. I was really impressed by their um, by their performance. Godoy Cruz were, as I said last week, the the only team in the division who'd done better than them at home was Boca themselves, and that was by dint of having played one game more. Um, and Godoy Cruz, as as I've mentioned several times, if, if anybody was going to score against Boca, it was going to be them, the highest scoring team in the division by by a distance, also the one of the worst defences. Um, but Boca just shut them out and really did fantastic job on them all, all across the pitch I thought considering that the that the forwards were out uh, I was accused on Twitter by Conan Riquelme actually no not really accused he, he said he was refreshed by it but uh, he, he pointed out that I was sounding particularly anti Boca this weekend long term listeners will be aware I'm a River Plate fan um, but I'd like to give them credit where it's due they, they've not got perhaps the best strike force but they've done a really good job throughout the course of the season all over the pitch 
Um, guys, what did you all make of, of the God I Chris game? Australian Dan, your impressions of it, first of all? Well, I, there's so much I could say about it. Um, <laughs> no, to be honest, I didn't see it, but um, I don't know, tell me, how, did, how was the sequence of goals? I didn't even see the highlights. Yeah. Then Tammich. Yeah. And, and then penalty, just sort of. A couple of minutes before. Four, so. the penalty, Siyabi put it in, and then Ariel Rojas scored a little bit of consolation, which was a beautiful, beautiful goal. Yeah. yeah. But I think, uh, yeah. Pretty much agree with Sam with his analysis of the game. We all know he's a very distinguished commentator. It was, yeah, just nothing, nothing fancy, nothing brilliant, nothing sparkling about Boca. Essentially, what we've seen all for the season, they just dominated in midfield, in defence. They looked absolutely kind of infallible. Everything was going their way. Like tackles weren't missed, headers weren't missed, and yeah, basically just what we've seen for the season. It's not. If you tune into Boca expecting to see, you know, free-flowing, beautiful football, you can be disappointed, but it's just an extremely effective way of playing. And Perhaps we could tie this into, we've got a question from on Twitter from a young fella called Jonathan Wilson. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, we've almost answered it already in a way. Yeah, well, basically he says, how can a team with Chavez and Malchez as regular starters be about to win the title? And how good must uh, Somosa be to con- counteract that Somosa of course the uh, holding midfielder yes that is Somosa is very very good on a domestic level I'm what he does he kind of sits just in front of the defence towards midfield and nullifies everything can get forward can distribute the ball as kind of this uh, central midfield like in this central midfielder role there's few better in the no, he's, and he's such a powerful presence as well and as you think, like he, I think I've said earlier in, in the year I think but he seems to be always rushed on the ball like he's about to lose it but he doesn't lose it very much he just distributes it and yeah, he's not a particularly elegant player no. Academy, but, yeah. no he's just such a present he's big and he, he's he's strong in the tackle and he's, he's a really really tough midfielder yeah. 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 If, you're a, if you're a UK based journalist and looking to uh, perhaps in the transfer market link some or so up to a Premier League move you should be aware that his Argentine nickname is The Vegetable <laughs> uh, please please remember that and print it in your newspapers and to answer to the f- first part of the question how can the team be about to be champions having Chavez and Moche it's mediocrity it's mediocrity the answer is mediocrity well it's, it's mediocrity and something else as well because I was looking through last night and Boca at the moment are on course to have the best defensive record in the history of the short championships I'm, I'm not saying, by, I'm by not saying Boca is med- mediocre I, I, I mean the whole league is and so, you, yeah, see, you see the level of play recently, and it's really, it's borderline depressing. I mean, it's, it's really, really, really difficult to be able to survive 90 minutes of football watching on TV. And, and yeah, I, I always feel that every season there's a, a lot of, after about, you have about three or four, maybe five good teams in the league. And then after that, it really drops off. Like any any team between, the, any game between the mid-ranking teams or lower-ranking teams is, can often be quite horrible. But this season, like Seba was saying, yeah. uh, you've got Boca. And when teams like Vélez and Estudiantes are not playing well, Lanús has dropped off. Uh, yeah, it's really also, hard. I think that's the thing, though, because we were basically seeing after probably even nine or ten games, we were predicting it, that this championship was going to be a bit of a walk in the park for Boca. And so I think that's even accelerated this whole thing. Dan was talking about this uh, dropping class because, yeah, if you kind of see that you can't catch Boca after... 11 games or just over half of the season gone then you start lowering your priorities exactly yeah people Bellas, are, for instance yeah. in the you start playing not to lose like you start yeah, not yeah. playing to win and that's basically what's happening and that's, that's another major point I think it's the tendency from teams that 
never used to play like that and the, the tendency to just focus on keeping a clean sheet and just trying not to concede and if that, if that give, uh, guarantees them a result with uh, only scoring one goal or, or just going for the one goal and, and, and the three points you, you see a team like Lanús they used to be very positive and they're very attractive and now under Schurer they just became this timid side that never never attacks you and, and never really go for the, for, so for the winner for the beautiful yeah. game for the I beautiful think, play I think with Lanús there's some mitigation because basically as I was saying before Lanús knew halfway through the season that they weren't gonna they weren't gonna win the championship their time was over they dropped they won I mean, they lost a couple of pretty silly games well and I think the, the and then, and and they lost the yeah. yeah and then they kind of saw from there right we're out of the championship race but as long as we don't have a disaster and lose 10 games we're in the Libertadores so I know, but, they were, lose, they were, but they were negative they were ne- negative even before that yeah. and San Lorenzo is another example Racing is another example and if you if you consider that Racing uh, have one of the best squads in, in, in the league at least in, when it comes well. to the names Estudiantes is a bit different because they um, yeah, yeah b- before the season started they 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 changed the manager. Well, they, I mean, 2011, not this tournament, but they they couldn't recover from that. No. And well, Boca is another example. They they will never make you fall in love with football if you see them. They they can win a game. They they will make a, a lot of Boca fans really really happy. A lot of River fans really unhappy. But I think this tendency of playing just negative football is it's just been a killer. And we've been seeing this. Uh, Throughout the season, we 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 had like 14, 15 games played in the Apertura, and Boca had considered only three goals, Racing only four. But on the on the other hand, they have only scored a handful of goals. Mm-hmm. So that that is that is why a team with limited ability or or, or I mean Chavez and Moche they can be good players. They're if, if, players. Yeah, they're not bad players. No, they, they take wrong decisions yeah. more often than not, and that's and that's a real problem. Uh, they haven't been starters the whole season. They, they, yeah. The, yeah. the the striker at the start of the season was uh, Viatri, and he got injured. And Blandi That's filled it. in very well, and, and so it's, it's, it's it. exactly. Um, and just a, a related point: uh, we've talked about how Raquel dependent Boca were, but in the last five games, they've uh, won three and drawn two without Raquel So even without Raquel like this is to do with the probably the mediocrity as well. Mm-hmm. It hasn't mattered that much. And the fact you, that you can create enough scoring chances against Boca. I mean, it's, it, we haven't seen Boca under pressure. No. Well, they, they, they conceded a, a goal against Lanús, but it wasn't. It was never under any risk of losing a game, Boca, in this got, tournament. I guess you got to say that because they made, well, for me, the two signs of the season, Schiavi and Dorion, yeah. completely like, changed the team before they were... A disaster at the back, but this year it's been impenetrable. Another thing is that, as as we kind of hinted, uh, even towards the end of the last Clausura, and then as, as Australian Dan and I hinted, along with Joel uh, Richards at, at the start in, in our preview for this Apertura, um, one thing that we we said that was going to change this season was the lack of dependency on Martin Palermo all of a sudden when he retired, and that much as I don't think any of us would argue that any of the strikers who've come into <laughs> to replace him to varying degrees are as good as he is from a pure goal scoring point of view it's undoubtedly made Boca's attack a little bit more mobile okay I says they're not exactly Barcelona when it comes to watching you know if you want to watch a nice passing game or whatever 
but it, it certainly helped them to be to be more dynamic and more threatening and, and not just lumping it up to one of the biggest men in the league who's probably going to score for you in fairness as, as he did plenty of times for them um, and I think that that's helped them as well the lack of focus and also the lack of division in the dressing room because there's not this Riquelme Palermo divide or whatever in the dressing room anymore it's just you know Riquelme's not even in the dressing room himself most of the time so <laughs> now they can just get on with, with doing their own job and listening to what the manager's saying that's how it seems to me anyway yeah yeah, yeah it's pretty much yeah they, they became faster they became more difficult to defend against uh, because of the pace now, not because Palermo was easy to defend against because he, he could score any time but yeah, I agree with that. They, 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 um, the absence, Palermo's absence, helped them create a different kind of game, uh, a game that is um, more, a bit, well, a bit faster. And but I think that the key for me is the defense, the back four yeah. and the midfield, the way they 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 dominate games, uh, they dominated games throughout the Apertura is, is something that is really worth mentioning, and I think it's yeah. it's, it's difficult to. To come to a stage in which, or, or to come to, uh, yeah, to a point in which a team can be as solid as Boca is, and that yeah. that Falcioni, I think, deserves a lot of credit. And now a lot of Boca fans are are eating or ordering humble pie for Christmas. Yes. Well, I was just going to mention that actually, humble asado, humble asado, <laughs> which is still a good asado, look, humble enough. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys what you think if. Um, Fasioni will still be there in 2012. So I get the feeling from people I've talked to that even though they're going to win the league, quite a lot of Boca fans aren't. They're not in love with Fasioni with, by any means. As a River fan, I and, hope he isn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then the talk is obviously like there's been a lot of talk about um, Carlos Bianchi coming back. Mm. Well, do you think that will be that Fasioni will be there in the first game of the Clausura? I heard rumours he was going to be tempted to go to either Colombia. to Mexico or Colombia. Uh, and he's he's quite big in Colombia. He played there for America de Cali as a keeper for a number of years. Um, but I think a lot will depend on the elections. Yeah. Uh, next Sunday we'll have the elections at Boca. And yeah, because I'm sure a lot of this, the Angie talk is election yeah, propaganda. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So I think once the elections happen and once we know who the winner is, mm. we will know for sure whether the new president wants to keep Falcioni or not. Yeah. I think based on the job he did, I mean, there's no no reason no, why he shouldn't. Foolish to, to let him go. Then on the other hand, if uh, if Bianchi wanted to come back, this is a better time than ever because say he wanted to come back the year before he wouldn't have wanted to because the team was in crisis, they were fighting, they were mid-table now. He, he would be coming into a team which is champions, which have uh, Libertadores football, which has a very solid base. You can see why now more than in the previous two years he'd be tempted to come back as coach and, yeah, and yeah. it's a big story as well because our listeners um, will probably be mostly aware of Carlos Bianchi as the guy who didn't quite make it as manager of Atletico Madrid Atletico and Roma and the guy who um, looks exactly like Larry David right, yeah. single one. But, but here in Argentina he's, he's an absolutely enormous name he's one of the most successful um, if not the, not the most successful is he but he's certainly one of the most successful club managers of all time uh, both at Vélez Sarsfield and also at Boca for various Copa Libertadores league titles and so on Intercontinental Cup yeah, he won the Intercontinental Cup with Vélez and with Boca and between we, Milan and Real Madrid I mean that's not easy to do and as we mentioned uh, late last year before Alejandro Sabella was confirmed as Argentine national team manager he's one of the contenders almost every time that vacancy comes up and 
for personal differences and political differences with Julio Grondona may not may not ever get the chance to manage Argentina but a lot of people here in Argentina would, would like him to and particularly of course a lot of Vélez and Boca fans would like him to so it would be huge from the point of view of a Boca presidential candidate just to be able to link their name to him uh, would really be something Yeah and the interesting thing about this is the, the comparison that is now going on in the media between Bianchi and or Boca's or Bianchi's Boca and Falcioni's Boca because they both win and they don't win pretty. I mean, Boca, Boca used to win Copa Libertadores and uh, I remember a couple of the, fi- the decisions in the finals and the stages prior to the final were on penalties and they were they just... They got wins very cheaply. Exactly, yeah. They exactly. always win cheaply. And it was a cross from Guillermo to Palermo and that's it, one nil and that's it. Boca used to win the league like with a lot of one nils and a lot of draws away from home. And they were invincible at La Bombonera, and, and under Bianchi they had the longest um, run, unbeaten run in the history of the club and in the history of Argentine football professional era. And incidentally, on Sunday with the win against Bo- uh, Godoy Cruz, they equaled their second ever longest yeah. run as well. So they're closing in on that. If still some distance. Yeah, that, that previous run was from the 40s, 42 and 43 that season. But yeah, the people are comparing now Falcioni and the way he plays, the way he makes Boca play with the way Bianchi made Boca play but Bianchi was a lot more consistent for a long uh, for a really long, longer period than Falcioni but Falcioni p- could probably do the same if and given the opportunity and of course we shouldn't forget that he brought a title to Banfield as well yeah, which yeah. a team that and, never won the and league here's before. the thing when he won the title with Banfield which stadium was it done? yeah La Bombonera. Yeah, Bombonera. Yeah. And Boca won 2 0. Banfield ended up sitting in to wait for the result of Newell's, and Newell's lost, yeah, which meant that Banfield had won the title anyway. So it could be the second league title that Falcioni wins in La Bombonera with a Boca versus a Boca win against Banfield, which would be bizarre symmetry in, in some ways. Lovely little trivia there. <laughs> Thank you. Do we have anything to add on, on Boca, gents? Are there any other questions on Boca? Uh, no, not on Boca, I think. Yeah, no, that, I, I have one thing to add. That Moche is an idiot. That's it. On and off, on and off the pitch. The reason I say this is half jokingly. Um, he said after the game, he was asked whether they were champions, and he could say the word champions. He said, "No, uh, somos camp. We are like the, the, he, he just cut the, the word uh, in half, and they insisted, and they say, hey, but." It's only one point you need from three uh, from three matches. No seamos boludos, somos camp. So don't don't be just just don't be idiots. Yeah, we are to say we're camp. Somos peones. Oh boy. Yeah. No, I mean it's 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 a good point in some ways. I think. I think that's a little bit harsh on him. There are plenty of other, <laughs> plenty, plenty of other incidences of Malcher being there. There's worse cases. I know. Every week he's he's got one different, one different. Yeah, on the field and off the field. And but this, uh, the, the way that the Argentine press are to outsiders, it might be potentially confusing. Putting this one is that Boca have assured themselves of first place, but not of the championship, um, and that's because here in Argentina, goal difference isn't used to separate teams or head-to-head record or anything. If, if two teams finish level for the title on points and they go into a playoff um, fitting the Tigre are the only ones who can fit, push them to it really because what two or three years ago mm. it was Tigre and Boca in a three way playoff when Boca won the last title um, and then Boca lost well, before that Boca lost 
Uh, title decision to Yeah, to Stuttgart playoff. After being almost as comfortable as they are now, in fact, they were what yeah, six, six or five clear with six to play for or something. In the I think they were sure. ten point ten point clears with six weeks to go or something like that. And yeah, Estudiantes caught them and, and beat them in the final. Mm-hmm. But we're not very optimistic that something like that's going to happen this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, from uh, Malche, we can move on to a player who. Uh, Araujo, one of the main TV commentators here, constantly gets him mixed up with Gabriel Alche, who was also a bit of an idiot. He got sent off at the weekend. More on the pitch than off. In, yeah. in a match that, not always, not yeah. always. In, in a match that I was at, um, by a long way, probably the best Racing match of the season, and they lost 3 2 at home. So Racing are no longer unbeaten. Um, Dan, you were in the Popular at the other end. I was indeed, yeah. Uh, what did you think of it from where you were sitting? Outstanding. It was a strange old game. I think I don't even know what to say. To <laughs> 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 well, basically, we should say. Uh, can you remember much of it? I can actually. Yeah, I was just trying to think that it was just kind of a feeling of resignation. To be honest, a resignation that first of all, uh, Racing's unbeaten record went went down the tubes. They've gone the first fifteen games of the season without losing, and then in the end, I don't know if you could say they surrendered it timidly, but they surrendered it without that much of a fight mm. they basically um, went 2-0 down fairly early with goals from Cesar Picante Pereira and another guy from Belgrano Turus I can't remember Turus 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 Turus, Turus. Turus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gio Moreno uh, pulled one back with a beautiful beautiful free kick mm. which actually got us if that goal hadn't come in I think there would have been riots because everyone was absolutely furious with how the team was playing and that goal kind of calmed the crowd down made everyone kind of think ah that was a nice goal and then (laughs) after that Pereira went back up the other end and whacked in a lovely looping header which beat Saka all ends up Mm. and he was he played very well actually um, old Picante one of our favourite players Spicy Pereira as we like to call him and then yeah like Racing threw everything forwards Belgrano had a play sent off just in the start of the second half, I believe. Rebound from Racing came back, uh, lovely volley by Valentin Viola, got it back to 3 2. And then you could say Racing were a bit unlucky, they had a few more chances. The Belgrano keeper played very well, made a few excellent saves. And then Alci managed to get himself sent off with uh, a nice little scuffle, which obviously. I didn't see much of it happened on the other side of the pitch for me, but it was yeah. a m- m- mutual aggression. Mutual aggression. <laughs> they both hit each other, and, and they were right sending off for it. Both. Yeah. Yeah. I think what was probably most interesting about that game, following on from what we were saying last week, is that the fans, the ones in the stadium, came out very strongly in favour of um, our mate Theo Gutierrez. He wasn't playing, he got suspended and mm. after getting sent off pretty stupidly for Boca, against Boca. And yeah, the fans definitely showed that they were on Theo's side and against um, Simeone, the coach. And he's I, under I, a lot of pressure now, Simeone, I think. I think I think that was um, because of the result. Because it was definitely frustration. Had, had Racing won mm. easily or had gone ahead quite easily, they, I, I'm not saying they're going to... Seb's probably got going to stood up to make this point. He's got right to the mic. But yeah, I think I think I don't agree with the majority of Racing fans who have taken Teo's side. I'm not taking Simeone's side either. 
But um, Theo is a player that in that game against Boca, he put himself above Racing, and mm-hmm. that is something I don't like to see at any club, at any club. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you all know I'm a Racing fan, but it, it has nothing to do with the color of the shirt. I mean, he, he let his teammates down, and his, uh, the fans, and the club, and everyone, everyone, he let everyone down. And, and now the fans are, are singing his name because they want to say, hey, I'm, we are against, against Simeone. It's not a matter of yeah. Teo versus Simeone. It's a matter of uh, two people that at, at, different, in dif- at different levels, they are hurting Racing. Yeah. And, and that is something the fans need to really race about. It's very interesting what's happening in Racing as well, at the moment as well, because I kind of people ask me quite a lot how, how a Racing going, and, and I say it's pretty bad, but... On the face of it, uh, if you're talking empirically, yeah, if you're talking about, but if you're talking about kind of empirically, statistically, you can point to you know third in the table, <laughs> uh, only one game one lost all season, all they're this not, kind of thing. They're doing nowhere near as badly as they were for well, yeah. stretches of the last ten years. Yeah, but if anything, people seem more frustrated now than they were say last year at this point where you know there were a lot lie down the league, a lot more games lost. Mm. It's an interesting thing. Because the, the, like, squad was, about, yeah. the, the squad was not as strong yeah, as, as it is now. So exactly. Yeah. Under Caruso, we, uh, Racing fans were, were not thrilled, but we knew we had to fight for every point, and, and, and we needed to survive relegation. Now it's different. We were not pressured by by relegation, and, and we, we lost we lost yeah. ten games in the Clausura, mm-hmm. and now we drew ten games in the in, in, in this Apertura. So that's. 20 games or 21 with the, with the defeat against uh, Belgrano 21 games you, you didn't win out of 37 36 yeah. we played so far 35 yeah. that, that is okay. that, that, that means it's not it's not it's not good enough yeah. not for the squad Racing have at the moment uh, it's the question enough for Racing yeah enough for Racing yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, question kind of related to this game because it involves a Belgrano player from uh, Tom Robinson he says um Thoughts on Franco Vasquez's move to Palermo, and wonder if you think how how we think he'll do. Yeah, uh, uh, Vasquez. Before I, I start answering I that, I'll just apologise if, if any listeners can hear the background noise coming in. Um, I think English Dan's flatmate has uh, is trying a new experiment with getting a zoo in his bedroom. Um, <laughs> we apologise for that. Well Hopefully, you can hear us over it anyway. Uh, Franco Vasquez, I was I was really impressed with him on Saturday. It was the first time I've seen him live after, of course, watching the the double header. Uh, at the end of last season against River when he played a big part in, uh, in relegating us. Um, you saw him, but did you hear him? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, him I didn't. Mute. He's, uh, he's yeah. mute. Ah, yeah. all right. So he's mute. He doesn't talk very much. He, he presumably <laughs> mouths things and hopes <laughs> yeah. that his teammates are going to be able Grants to listen to what he's saying. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he, he looked really good. He, he, he's he a, a very good range of passing. That's, that's one yeah, he, he's sort of been brought in to replace... Uh, Pastore, that was the original idea, and he's not—he's not quite a Pastore type player, but he's—he's he's a useful. But he holds playmaker. the ball well. He organizes the team. This he had a lovely assist. Mm-hmm. He's left-footed, but he had a lovely assist with the with his right for Belgrano's third goal. He control—he controls the, the, every counter-attacking move for for them. He also moves well across the pitch. He draws. Yeah. Defenders out of position, then he makes a dart, and he's very good at that unsettling defenses. And yeah, yeah I think I, I would say to Palermo fans, if any are listening, he's not going to set the world on fire. I don't think in the way Pastore had the talent to do, but he's 
gonna do well for you, I think. Mm. That's what I'd say. I'd agree with that. And um, I'm just gonna say something else as well about him. I think it would all depend on how quickly he adapts to his new life mm. and how many opportunities the, the manager will give him. It's it's never easy to say. All right, is this guy is gonna he's gonna really really be the greatest player for this club or the greatest uh, export yeah. from, from Argentine football. Yeah. But he certainly has the, the qualities yeah. uh, of a great player. I've remembered as well now what I was going to say. Um, and it's kind of linked in with your adapt- adaptation point just now, Seba, that uh, there's been some talk recently of his... Uh, he's already been sold to Palermo, but uh, they've been talking recently of maybe loaning him back to Belgrano for six months so that he stays till the end of the clausura and then joins Palermo in the, the season break next European summer which I think would probably help him. Wise. if, if yeah, that is what they're going to do it's certainly not a bad idea in my opinion how old is he does anyone know ah. 21, 22 I think okay. Okay. I asked him but he didn't say he's mute yeah. Yeah. well he's not mute not right? I, I want to make that clear but they could, that's his weakness he's no he's for, not for, he, he for anyone who's in my box ah. for anyone who's <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who's slightly confused by this continuing uh, mute business, it's his nickname. Uh, God knows why, but it is. Which probably just means he talks a little bit less than the average Argentine, the example of which we have on the podcast every week. So you get the idea, he probably still talks quite a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, and they used to call me mute. Yeah. I can't any other big results? The, the big one that I can think of, as we hinted at earlier, and as we said we'd, we'd get on to, was Tigre on, on Friday night, who uh, had a big relegation class with Atletico Rafaela um, and demolished them. 3 0 win. Which <laughs> was much better than your last attempt. Well done. I'm working on them all week. Like, yeah, yeah. That they lost 3 0, and I've been working sketching furiously. And it shows. Um, <laughs> but what that meant was that overnight uh, Tigre were actually out of the automatic relegation places um, on Saturday San Martín beat Olimpo 3-0 away which lifted them back into the, uh, the playoff spot and Tigre back into automatic relegation um, but Tigre I think have San Lorenzo coming up this, this coming weekend which is yeah, another they do. They do. Um, Big one in, in, seven in the relegation table. I think it's seven pointers. Yeah, or as I prefer to call them. Um, but just the fact, the fact that Tigre even momentarily have managed to get out of the, the playoff, and, and the fact that they're in such great form, and with uh, at least two of the tides above them, um, Olimpo and uh, well, Olimpo in fact are now below them, but San Lorenzo as well, starting to shake a bit. Tigre could actually pull this off and as we said we, before the, is, at the start yeah, of the season yeah. we were all saying that there was no way yeah, I still don't think they will I think it's we've talked about it before how difficult it is for a team to back up and produce two really good half seasons in a, in a row when you have such little depth in the squads and mm-hmm. stuff and it's almost a similar situation to uh, Boca we were just talking about because they lost uh, Dennis Strack Attack Strack and, uh, and now they kind of the sort of star midfielders are starting to take over Control of you know uh, of the managers. Two, the two key players from this season have been uh, Roman Martinez, who who's been also had, yeah he also had a very good class order and he's taken it on a level, being excellent, and also um, a player who I've rated ever since I got into Argentina actually, like um, Diego Morales. I saw mm. him in his first season in the Primera when he was just a youngster at Chacarita, and I was really like very impressed. He was young at that time, and he's pretty, a pretty small guy. But since he's, you know, got more experience and got more used to the game, he's just looking better and better. And I think he even, I know he was including in, included in one of the domestic Argentina squads. I don't know if he played. 
But it kind of shows how he's how he's getting on. Like a very good number ten. Another good nickname as well. Cachete. The cheeks. <laughs> the cheeks. The cheeks. The cheeks. He does look oh, right, alarmingly like a hamster. Cachete. The cheeks. Right. Yeah. Cheek. The yeah. cheek. <laughs> and he's quite cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a hamster. Basically. <laughs> the uh, so okay, we've got Australian Dan who, who doesn't think that they're gonna. Um, well, I, I think it all depends on how good the Clausura are going yeah. to uh, And also, going, the, the, the promoted teams are going to have. Summer, if, if somebody like, say, Boca, who are going to be tilting at the Copa Libertadores in, in next year as well, decide that they want to take Morales or Martinez or something to, to give them an op- another option back home for a injured, which will be all the time. You know, they've got to. Maybe who's looking for a yeah. replacement for exactly. Morales? Yeah. Exactly. There's yeah. a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Um, but if they can, if they can hold the squad together, I think they can do it. Because uh, the danger might be if they sneak this last Libertadores qualification spot, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's going to be Lanús and Godoy Cruz who are going to qualify for those. Um, who are the two teams currently occupying them? So that's not perhaps the most dangerous prediction I've ever made in my career. Um, but I, I think Tigre can do it. I, th- I think they can at least scrape the playoff. And if they manage to get into the playoff, then it's going to be because they've spent the whole season just firing and on brilliant form. No, I don't think the, the team in better form in the playoffs, as we saw at the end of last season. I say, I say uh, that. I, the one. I still, as I say, I don't think they'll make it. But I think it's fantastic what they're doing. And they mm-hmm. could have just given up and said, "Well, we're not. We're, we're going to be relegated." But absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they're going for it and they're playing yeah. attractively. It's the the contrary of what we said about bigger teams. Yeah. yeah. Like well, they've got to win every game in their plan, then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes you know those teams. They say, okay, we don't have to lose. If we don't, if we can win, a draw will be yeah. good enough. Yeah, but they, they, they're, they're not happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Not happy one with difference that. here, though, is that Tigre started off the season so far adrift that that just wasn't an option. They had to go for the win. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes um, they use that as an excuse, managers. Yeah. You know, and then this yeah. time they they just fighting the good fight. And well, I think what's really going to help Tigre is the awful form that um, Olimpo are in. Because Olimpo, yeah. I know, have gone to the bottom of the relegation standings now. Basically, San Martín de San Juan leapfrogged them this weekend with a 3-0 win there in Bahia Blanca. And after all the... Well, this is kind of what we're saying, the danger of the difficulty of putting two good short yeah. seasons together. Olimpo look absolutely awful at the moment. They set their manager last week, I think we mentioned, and yeah. now they... They look like a team. Whereas we were, we were talking about how fantastic they were in the, exactly, in the just, just six months ago, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so you're saying Olimpo has a mount to climb now? I would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> Explain <laughs> it, please. <laughs> I, I think everybody else. It's a great apology, right, Jack. Yeah, everybody who's, uh, who's going to find that funny will get it, and probably quite a few people who don't find it funny as well uh, will understand that. Only Zeus can save them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, moving swiftly onwards. So yeah, no, I, I, I think the Tigre can do it. We'll we'll see what happens, and we'll obviously keep people updated. But it's another example of just how uh, complex the relegation thing is in Argentina with Tigre handicapped as such when they win compared with say Olimpo's wins or particularly San Martín's wins, which are going to be divided over progressively fewer matches as the season goes. Well, progressively more matches as the season goes on, but. San Martín's divided by far fewer than Olympos. Um, so we'll see. But as I said, I, I think they need to, obviously, given how thin the squad is, they have to try and hold it together over the Argentine summer break. Um, I'm trying to strain to see the other results. Are there any others that really um, stand well, out? Two nil nil draws, Independiente away at Union, and Newell's at home against San Lorenzo. And we said we couldn't... 
we couldn't see any of those two winning the game, and, uh, and the result was nil nil. Um, so they continue with their dreadful, dreadful form, both teams. And there was also a one-one draw in Linares between uh, essentially Vélez Sarsfield reserves and Colón. Vélez uh, in about an hour's time going to be kicking off their second leg of the Copa Sudamericana semi-final, which is why they were fielding a reserve team. They, they had to play the first leg on Thursday night in Quito. Travel back here, play on a Sunday in the Argentine League, and then 48 hours after that, or well, a, a touch over 48 hours later, but still only two days, um, are playing Quito in the second leg. They, they lost to El Dium Quito 2 0 in, in the first leg, but they're going to have a much more closer to full strength side. They had Victor Zapata, Juan Manuel Martinez, and uh, David Ramirez were all out of the first leg, and indeed on Sunday, so they should be back tonight. We'll know obviously by the time this goes online what's happened. Um, yeah, on, uh, Quito side, you've also got to look out for Hernan Barcos and Ezekiel Gonzalez, who mm. basically the difference in the first leg both played excellent games. Yeah, Barcos. Yeah. You think, you think playing on a Sunday and then on a Tuesday, you think that's tight? Because I I'm remember surprised that the Afro made them do it. I <laughs> well, I would tell you that England put it that way. It I remember, I think it was 99, 97 maybe. And Racing had to play two yeah, games on the same day. No, no, it, it happens to be Racing because all <laughs> no. these crazy things happen to Racing. Uh-huh. But uh, t- tell me another club who had to play two <laughs> games at the sa- on the uh, same day. The on the same day. <laughs> on the same day. Racing had to play Vélez for the local league at home. I had to play El Nacional of Ecuador away on the same day. You see, normally, Seb, when that happens, I just... I don't know, restart the football manager game <laughs> and hope that the schedule <laughs> comes out slightly differently the next time around. I mean, why didn't you try that? Well, there were a lot of protests at the time, but... <laughs> yeah. So what, what, what was the solution? They played a reserve team in one of the matches. Yeah, well, yeah. One, one, yeah, one set of players had to travel to Ecuador. <laughs> I, think, I think we lost or had, had a draw. And I then I owe you the results because I, I wasn't prepared to talk about this and I just remember <laughs> the story. I just remember the story and I don't remember what was the result. I, I, I remember being furious about it. Watching yeah. one game on TV and then going because it wasn't at the same time. Mm. It was on the same day. I watched one of the games on TV <laughs> and then I went to the stadium only at Racing. Quite, only quite at aside from the obvious the pressure that, that puts on the club itself, that must have been a really bizarre experience. It was. It was. It really, was. really, really yeah. strange. Um, but I, I still think, I mean, even just the fact that they've got to play the two legs of, of the copper, one on Thursday and one on Tuesday, seems really close together yeah. compared with what continental competition yeah, normally is. The fact they have a league match in between. Taquita. Um uh, and, and especially it's a semi-final I'm almost surprised that the AFA didn't allow them to play Colón maybe you know delayed sort of it's yeah. not going to affect the title race so just put I'm it back sure until mid-December they would have done well absolutely yeah. Yeah. Um, another uh, remarkable thing for, for this Vélez uh, situation they play with 9 out of 11 players from their youth setup, yeah. which goes to show how how great a job! Some do. some really good the youth fellas. Yeah, uh, sorry from the highlights, yeah. And yeah. one amazing surname. One of the substitutes is is called Flor del Mundo, which means flower <laughs> of the world. But it's, it's only it's, it's just a surname. Word. Three words: Flor del Mundo, all together. <laughs> Flor del Mundo, flower of the world. Amazing mm. surname. Amazing. I have not spotted that. That's um, that's amazing. I'm going to um, to play Australian dance theme music now, or Mystic dance theme music. Sorry. Uh, don't forget. Sorry, sorry. But just to re- re- yeah. recap, don't forget uh, Juan Sebastián Verón, who scored what could possibly be his last course. Yeah, yeah. Last goal as a professional player. And really fittingly, in his uh, the only match he's played so far, which was an Estudiantes away game, 
Um, he has, of course, played a few home games in Kilmes Stadium, but it was, this is the first official Estudiantes visiting game that he played. Uh, Arsenal, were, was it 1-0 at half-time? Well, they certainly went 1-0 up. Yeah, they were 1-0 um, up. And Estudiantes, who what, had won two games all season prior to this, turned it around in the second half to win 2-1, with Veron accidentally, really, scoring the winner from a free kick, which was put into the box and bounced in. Uh, yeah. Zombie has joined us to celebrate Seba Veron's <laughs> magnificence by swimming Seba Garcia's bottom. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was Zombie sneezing. Hello, that? Zombie. Zombie's been affected by the coldest you can hear, you know. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have uh, some kind of tribute to Veron at, at the end of the season or the end of the year when he's actually retired. It would seem a shame not to. Um, but for now, we're going to play a Mystic Dance music. We're going to have his predictions. And then we've got this uh, long promised interview coming up with Emmanuel. Emiliano. Emiliano. Tadej. Thank you, Seba. <laughs> sorry, Emiliano. <laughs> Mystic Dan, take it away. Okay, um, I got all boys to win away to Estudiantes, Argentinos to beat Arsenal at home, uh, San Martín de San Juan, uh, Unión a draw, Lanús Olimpo draw, Colón to beat Racing, Rafaela to, be, uh, to draw with Vélez, Tigre to beat San Lorenzo away, Independiente to draw with Newells, Boca to beat Banfield and win the title, and Belgrano to beat Godoy Cruz. Interesting. Look, there are no real ones that stand out there, are there? Apart from obviously Boca Belgrano, for reasons we've already spoken about. Boca Banfield. Boca Banfield. Sorry, yeah, not Belgrano. Interesting. You're putting more faith in Racing's internal turmoil than the curse of Cologne Stadium. Yes, it's, it's you know a big risk. Speaks volumes, yeah. doesn't it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the. It's not the the Racing goalkeeper who puts the Virgin the Virgin in his. Goal. I saw, I saw one goalkeeper doing ah, that. Ah, stop talking about Racing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you do. Yeah. No, it might not have been the Racing keeper. No, but He's Chinese, no? No, um, the, the irony, I think, we saw this in the clausura, where Vélez fans, they, were, they all gather at the cafeteria, at the club, and they watch a, a game on TV, and they depended on that, on, on that result to win or not, uh, or, or not win, win the league, and they won the league, but they were not playing at the moment, they were, they were just watching on TV, and the same could happen to Boca, because if mm. Tigre failed to beat San Lorenzo away, that's it, Boca will the win the league, the and now it, there, there are a few security issues um, with the Boca Banfield game, and they, they, the, the police have asked uh, the AFA just to keep only that one, that one um, match for Sunday, because of uh, their uh, elections at Boca, it could be, it could get a bit nasty, and then the title celebrations, and yeah. he, they don't want to have different set of supporters uh, yeah, around the city. To clarify, to clarify, they presumably mean it's going to be the only game in the city of Buenos Aires on the Sunday. Oh yeah, yeah, they're moving. They they saying that they're moving San Martín de San Juan Union to be played on a Sunday. Uh, it was right. originally scheduled for Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, but no, no other games in the city or around yeah. uh, for Sunday, other than Boca Banfield, yeah, mm. for security reasons. But <laughs> but the point is the same. <laughs> they could be champions before they yeah. get to. Yeah. They start their game. Absolutely. Um, we're going to now have our first ever pre-recorded section on Handapod. Uh, it's uh, going to be roughly 
12 minutes or so long. Emiliano Tade is an Auckland City FC forward uh, and very gracefully agreed to talk to Seba uh, a few, couple of days ago via Skype. So these are some of his thoughts on the team he supports here in Argentina and also on his feelings on being one of the very few Argentines this year playing in the Club World Cup um, and seeing his name alongside the likes of Lionel Messi, Javier Mascherano, Chelita Delgado and, and so on. So take it away, pre-recorded Seba. That felt really strange to do an introduction to. Okay, and we have an interview here now. This is, uh, I think it's the first time we have an interview uh, here on Hand of Pod. And it's with a player, an Argentine player, who is about to go to the FIFA Club World Cup in Japan. But it's not Messi, it's not Mascherano. Unfortunately, they, they, are, they, they, don't, they can't speak in English. So we have one who can speak in English, and he's here with us. Emiliano Tade, uh, he, he plays for Oakland, F- uh, Oakland City F- uh, Football Club in New Zealand, and he's here with us uh, on Handopod. Hello, Emiliano. Hello, Seba. How are you? Thank you for being here on Hand Up Pod with us and for doing this interview, this little bit of uh, of, of the interview in, in English. We had a longer conversation in Spanish before, and 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 now we're going we, we're doing this for for our listeners of Hand Up Pod. Um, Emiliano, you are about to go and take part in a competition where only five other Argentines are going to 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 be competing. Three who play for uh, Monterrey, uh, the Mexican. Uh, team and we mentioned already Messi and Mascherano and you are the, the sixth Argentine in, in in this competition. How does it feel for you? Yeah, uh, that's really hard to think about, you know. But to be part on one of the six players that they are gonna be on the on the club World Cup is something special for by, by myself, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to, to be part of the team that, uh, I don't know, for someone that uh, always uh, think about soccer, that um, always feel about soccer and on their life, it's really important to to play or to be there, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think maybe it's a dream for every player that that is in, I don't know, in, on, the, on the rest of the world, you know, but... Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. it's no, really it's hard to really hard to explain how 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 I'm feeling. But yeah, for me, it's, it's one of my dreams. But and yeah, I'm trying to enjoy and. Uh-huh. No. Uh huh. And t- tell us uh, a little bit about uh, your life and and where were you born and uh, a little bit of of your history in Argentina before you went to New Zealand. Uh, yeah, I'm born in Santiago del Estero, it's one of the states or province uh, for Argentina. All, all of my life I played for, for one club that I'm, which one I'm really fan and I love the club is Club Atletico Mitre, that is from my city. Then, yeah, I decided to, to study, so I leave the, my, my city and I, I went to Buenos Aires, mm-hmm. uh, um, and then just I decided to to change my life or or to do something different, or because uh, forever I I was thinking to to go away, like uh, to know about another country, trying to speak another English, or so mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I I came to New Zealand. I don't know what basically. Uh, 
uh, I decided New Zealand just because I had a friend that he's living here and that's basically why I decided, you know. Interesting, from Santiago del Estero to, to New Zealand and when you were in Buenos Aires, um, did you also have a, a favorite team that you follow, like one of the uh, big teams that you are a fan of? Yeah, I when I was living in Buenos Aires, uh, when I could go, I went to to watch my favorite club, it's Boca Juniors. Uh, unfortunately, all of my life I couldn't go too much, you know, to because it's too far away from my city to Buenos Aires, mm -hmm. but always trying to watch uh, by TV and or to following to follow the club, I don't know, for the newspaper or the, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when I when I used to live in Buenos Aires, I I went a lot of, a lot of times to the stadium to La Bombonera. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Boca Juniors is is something is a love a special love, you know. <laughs> yeah, like like all f all Boca fans are, are like you, really passionate about the club. And, and and also very the relationship with the club is is, is pretty unique and even I, I imagine that even living uh, so far away and with the time difference you still follow the Boca games uh, from New Zealand right yeah, yeah. I uh, when I can I try to watch the the, the game by internet you know mm -hmm. uh, but also always following the by internet the newspaper. And uh, some websites, and yeah, and, and the Boca Juniors website, no? Of course, uh, of course. So um, now the the FIFA Club World Cup is coming, and Oakland City will play the champions of the J League, uh, the Japanese J League in Japan. Uh, we still don't know who the champions are, are going to be, but we know that they're going to be playing against you. Uh, is that that the game will be in on the 8th of December, and and it will be the start of the FIFA Club World Cup, and the whole world will be watching that game. I mean, football fans from from everywhere will be watching that game. Yeah. And and if you win, you will be playing against Monterrey. What are the expectations for for the club and for yourself? It will be a really hard game for, for us to play away and yeah, obviously they, they're gonna feel uh, they're gonna be at home and a lot of fans on, on the stadium so yeah for for the club is uh, we are really we are really confident uh, on the team on the group um, we we we've been working a lot and really hard uh, from September when we started. Uh, yeah, basically the group is is a little bit old. Mm -hmm. Like they played together for a long time, so they know each other. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just just two or three new players. But yeah, uh, for the club is we are we are really confident in us, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. On the paper, maybe we we don't have to win, but you know, on soccer, nobody knows what's gonna happen. And by myself, yeah, trying to do my best. Hmm. And 
And and yeah. if if you if you beat these uh, Japanese champions, you're gonna be playing against Monterrey. And and uh, one of the Argentine players who plays for Monterrey is Neri Cardoso, who you you, you used to follow when he was playing for Boca. Uh, how would you feel? Like w would you go there, try to uh, swap your shirt with with him? Uh, what would be your reaction if you have to yeah. play against him? Uh, At the moment, I'm trying to don't think about, you know, like, as a player, uh, the first game is Japanese team, but obviously everyone is trying to imagine or, <laughs> or trying to think about, you know, uh, even in, to be in the final, you know, that to dream, yeah, it's free, you know, and <laughs> yeah, if, if I have to play to against Neri Cardoso, I know him, he... He was playing for Boca Juniors uh, on the maybe in one of the best moments of the club, and it's a uh, it's really important for for someone, you know, for, yeah. for me. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a some it's a thing different, you know. It's something different on on the game. It's, it's something that you you didn't expect. I mean, you you're um, you're playing uh, in a league that is. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, it's semi semi professional, and and now you're gonna be playing in in one of the most important competitions uh, in the FIFA world, you know. Um, so so, what is going through your mind uh, as you prepare to play this uh, important competition? Uh, oh, that is really hard. You know, it's uh, I think it's, it's uh, for me. It's the second best competition of the world, and to be there, uh, I always think that uh, someone, someone special was thinking about me, and and I would be there. But yes, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a feel uh, so special. And, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a dream for every every player to be there, and no, and most of them they can't. They can't be there, and the opportunity is not for everyone. And to be one of them, you know, is something different. Yeah, and then finally, just for our listeners to to know you a little bit more, uh, what kind of a player you are? Uh, you you play up front, but ca can you compare your game to one famous Argentine player or, or any player that? That, that is probably one of uh, playing in one team that we 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 can watch uh, every week. Oh, I don't know. I I just try to do what I am, uh, but no, I I have no idea. And, but what is it, what is the, the the strength of your game? Is it, is it uh, the speed, uh, strength, uh, like uh, technique, or or what can you tell yeah, us about the way uh, you play? Uh, just to score, nice. <laughs> whatever I can, whatever I can. Uh, but no, no, no. I I have a, a little thing of everything. No something. Good. Not not too much of something. Or you know. But, yeah. And, and and just to 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 find to to close this interview. Um, you have been getting a nickname, uh, and they call you Zapata. Uh, And do you know why? Because maybe we can we have was, a the first time was funny because I, you know, I saw Zapata like as a nickname and I say, oh, that's not me. <laughs> but 
Yeah, I have no idea why they say Zapata. I never ask about. Um, yeah. Nobody told me anything about, you know. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe, maybe we can. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think, I think some Emiliano Zapata is a really famous. Uh, Mexican, person. yeah, Mexican revolutionary, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's why they call you uh, Zapata. But maybe one of our listeners could uh, confirm that and, and, and tell us. And then we, we can confirm, we can tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. But yeah, no, no. But I have no idea why they say Zapata. <laughs> now it's, yeah, it's the same, you know? Yeah, it's, it's my new nickname now. So, yeah. <laughs> And so uh, we would like to thank you for your time, for, for sharing your story with us, for, for, for being in, in this show. But I, I had a, a one final thing to, to ask you. Uh, what would you prefer? Uh, you, would you prefer Boca to win the Apertura or Oakland City to beat the Japanese champions in the FIFA Club World Cup? <laughs> oh, don't put me in a pressure. <laughs> no, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I was just joking. <laughs> now, now I, I can I can answer your question. Now I say I prefer uh, Oakland City beat the Japanese team because I'm pretty sure and I'm really sure that Boca is gonna get the apertura. Hey, the apertura. <laughs> that's that's not fair. I, I, I asked I, you, as you know. Now, <laughs> I prefer to say yeah I prefer to Oakland City beat the Japanese league because I'm really sure that Boca is going to get the, the league so right. as long as yeah. as long as River stays in the second division you'll be happy right <laughs> no, I have no idea what are you talking about <laughs> yeah I think yeah, you are talking of one team that is playing on the second division but uh, my focus is Boca Juniors my team uh, and my focus Uh, as a player, what I'm gonna play, and my team in Santiago del Estero, but no more. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. All right, Emiliano, muchas gracias. Okay, thank you very much, and thanks for your time. Lovely guy, Emiliano, sounds like, doesn't he? Um, and such terrible tasting clubs. But <laughs> anyway, uh, we do have one final question which Australian Dan had direct messaged to him um, regarding a, an all Argentine bust up in Italy. Um, over the weekend, which was fairly entertaining anyway. Uh, Paolo, uh, Daniel Pablo Osvaldo, who is the traitorous, one of the oriundi, um, an Argentine who has moved to Italy and, and declared that he wants to play for its, Italy's national side, who just over a week ago was actually in the papers here for saying that one day the Argentine national team will regret never calling him up. Um, he's now playing for Roma alongside Eric Lamela, and there was a bit of a to-do on the pitch which ended with Eric Lamela being slapped in the face by him in the changing room afterwards um, the, question was, the question was basically yeah. what, no, I think it was like can we think of a David Letterman style top 10 reasons why uh, Osvaldo slapped Lamela in English Dan first of all I was wondering whether you could give us your excellent translation of the, the words that were, <laughs> that were said between the, the, the two we could save that for last and if we give, give a few reasons Absolutely. I think my top reason is that He used um, Lamela's surname as a command instead of the surname. <laughs> That's fluent in Spanish. We'll be able to work that one out. Uh, I, I think he's probably jealous that Lamela's younger and even better looking than he is, and doesn't like being the the non heartthrob in, in the uh, in the Roman dressing room. I think it's probably a hair gel issue. I think Lamela's mm. probably taken over a lot of the, the dressing room hair gel to, to style his beautiful, beautiful hair. Seven. 
Yeah, well, uh, la mela in Italian means the apple. So maybe he said something about a computer or stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I don't know. Maybe it's a PC guy, you Yeah, or to, told him how he fell off, the, off a tree yeah. to, 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 to reach Roma and to be playing at Roma <laughs> right, now, right now. I don't know, I, could, I couldn't possibly. Maybe our reasons are, <laughs> are actually better yeah. than the reasons. Absolutely, yeah. I really struggled to come up with ten as mm. well, unfortunately. But um, what was said between them, English Dan? Because you you read it out a minute ago from the from all Yeah, it was it was quite an quite an interesting little exchange, quite a quite a funny one. Uh, I think we just said that it came because Osvaldo felt that Lamela wasn't passing to him, or he'd missed an easy pass. And basically, he came back into the dressing room and said to uh, said to young Lamela, "Look, I'm older than you." Answer me when I talk to you. Like this, this is, is not, this is not, not a river. Yeah, this is not river. Which, given all credit for a teenager just arrived in Italy, Lamella's response was fantastic. He just basically turned around and said, "Look, shut your ass, shut your mouth. Who do you think you are, Maradona?" <laughs> and that was worth your punch. <laughs> Lamella, we we sort of likened him purely in his upright walking stance to Cristiano Ronaldo last year, and uh, he's come out with something. Perhaps slightly more intelligent than Ronaldo yeah. would have come out with, but no, no less arrogant in many ways. So um, <laughs> I think that we're, we're all quite chuffed with that and very early Osvaldo, comparison we made. We have to remember, even now he plays for Italy. He used to drive a mini uh, that was custom customized mm. with the Argentine flag and, the, and Maradona's face. And so Lamela told him, "You're not Maradona yeah. if you're driving." Exactly. <laughs> he didn't say, but he, he was probably the implication. And Osvaldo is a He's a die-hard Boca fan, and maybe that is uh, another reason why those two didn't get along well so far. Uh, the other questions that we didn't touch on, that we sort of answered anyway from David Nolan, was what has happened to Lanús. I think we touched on that before, and yeah. I was talking about the standard of the league. Uh, and then we have one from Ryan Edwards, who said, Is Dan Edwards going to use his location on the other side of the world as an excuse not to avoid buying Crimbo presents for his family? I think I'll take this one. Uh, yeah, Dan, uh, take this one. Yeah, the answer is... Yes, most probably. <laughs> and okay. I think it has to be noted that they are in the other side of the yeah, world. Yeah. We're here. We're, yeah. here. We're here enjoying the heat. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, on which note, which, on which very early actually festive note, um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say, or we will say, well actually I'd, I'd like to say first of all happy birthday to my brother, although it's not his birthday anymore, he's in <laughs> New Zealand, so his birthday finished probably 14 hours or so ago. Yes, yeah, uh, very much. Um, so happy birthday, William. Um, we'll say Merry Christmas to, to all the rest of our listeners a little bit closer to Christmas, because I really bloody hate it when shops start putting out their decorations in mid-August or whatever. Luckily, in, in Argentina, we get to miss all of that, which is yeah, we, fantastic. In Argentina, fantastic. we get to miss Christmas altogether, because they don't have a bloody clue how to celebrate it. But anyway. <laughs> hey, come on, it's a private yeah. celebration. It's a family yeah. celebration. No, yeah, it's a family the, celebration I love the as well. No, I've got to say, I'm... Against Sam, I love the fact it's not all commercialised. Oh, I like the fact it's not commercialised. I just wish well, people actually. What, yeah. what I don't like is going out the door on the, the afternoon of Christmas Day and seeing shops already open. Because you shouldn't even be out of right bed on Christmas Day. You should be <laughs> too tired from Christmas yeah, Eve. Exactly. I think you need to get out a little bit more and not at night. I mean, yeah. If you go to every shopping mall, they playing Christmas music and Michael Bloody Bublé <laughs> singing. As I said, jingle bells. I don't like the commercialism of it at all. I just don't like the way that it's. Uh, it, it doesn't really feel like Christmas. But then I guess if you go to Britain, you, it might feel like Christmas to you because it's not what you've grown up with as well. So blah blah blah. Um, 
the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, as it were. Uh, anyway, that little dispute aside, we'll we'll leave you now. Hand of Pub will be back next week without Seba. That <laughs> Seba will be very much here, um, but Australian Dan won't be. So Australian Dan, bon voyage to Hong Kong. Maybe I'll be off to Hong Kong for ten days or so. So uh, yeah, I won't be. So I will say Merry Christmas because I don't think I'll be back before the end of the season. So uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Might just make it back for our, our post-season wrap-up, but if not, then enjoy. Uh, no doubt we'll see you, even if our listeners don't hear from you. Um, Seba? Sí, bueno, gracias. Hasta luego. Chao. <laughs> English done. See you later, guys. And goodbye from me. Ta-ra. Mm-hmm.